Hello and welcome to On the Couch, a regular podcast by Canning Strategic Communications. My name is Luis Garcia and I'm the Senior Director at Cunnings. Our guest today is David Factor, who's the Director of Public Affairs, Media and Communications at one of Australia's oldest, best known and probably most loved public institutions, St Vincent's Hospital here in Sydney. Um, David's been uh, heading communications at St. Vincent's now since 2001, so it's uh, fair to say, David, that you've seen uh, your fair share of unexpected and sometimes unwelcome news. But uh, tell me, has anything ever prepared you for this sort of, um, in your job, for, for the pandemic, for what's been going on over the last few months? Hi. I don't think really anything did prepare me for it. I mean, we, we obviously have a pandemic plan, a long-established uh, pandemic plan, but really for all the preparations, uh, I, I think at, at the end of the day, uh, agility would, would have been the key theme uh, for all what we perhaps anticipated. Uh, there really... And, and there was and there is a lot of planning. There, there's significant uh, comms planning and so forth. But, but at the end of the day, uh, the journey certainly, uh, when you think about things kind of kicking in seriously by early March, um, right through April and May, uh, the focus really was on agility and, and that would really kind of shape our uh, communications response both internally and externally and and certainly we've had our fair share of um, uh, incidents major incidents um, uh, disasters certainly in my time um, uh, media episodes that involved international media on our on our front door and so forth in my time but in answer to your question no nothing actually prepared um, myself or our team or our, or our senior executive from a comms perspective um, for what, what we saw happen. The interesting thing is that you are, uh, are someone watching from outside, but someone that keeps a close eye on, on, on what you guys do. Um, you've been very proactive. You've been very open, very transparent in the way you've engaged with media during this time. Uh, why did you take that decision? Well, I'm probably going to contradict myself a little bit uh, from the point of view that when I say we, 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 didn't, we had nothing to prepare for what came on, um, culturally, uh, everything in my time, uh, in a way, flavoured what we were uh, to become and what we did and how we responded. So what, what I can safely say is we have long established a position of being transparent with the media. Um, uh, all organisations like ourselves have a responsibility to look at risk and, uh, and pick and choose um, what media you're going to do. But at the end of the day, we, we also um, fundamentally, be it our mission or uh, the culture in terms of our, our leadership, have a realisation that there is a, a public appetite about what we do and there's a, a, a thirst to know what's going on at St Vincent's and no more so than in, um, in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, we were certainly in the, in the thick of things and uh, from the word go, um, you know, as you're aware about hotspots, well, we were certainly um, in, in the midst of quite a few of those at, at the outset, as you know, from the Bondi backpackers through to uh, returning um, 
uh, people returning to Australia and so forth. So um, what, I guess, was our preparation was a degree of comfort and certainly from the leadership right through to our senior clinicians there was an understanding about the value of media uh, and the the, the value of telling our story because it does involve um, a a bit of resource and time and openness and a little bit of a risk appetite and so I think that comfort was there well and truly before um, uh, the beginning of this year and and so that, that perhaps was the, the one bit of not so much preparation um, but, but just that, that, that kind of footing uh, that, that was already there, those foundations that when we shifted to what we might call a war footing of the yep. pandemic response, there was that, that comfort long that established. Comfort. Yeah. Inter- internally? Internally, um, uh, not, not so much. Internally... That, that was a very evolving situation. Um, not wanting to get into too much detail, but, but one of the big things for us was a brand new intranet site. We just built it um, and went live on the 28th of February. And then boom, by the... Um, Pandemic time. Yeah, by, yeah, by the first week of March, we had engaged our... Um, uh, had, had implemented our pandemic response and identified this new tool, our intranet site, as the go-to source of truth. And that was a big deal. That was a big call on our part to say, this is the sole source of truth um, for staff. And uh, it had all the, um, the functionality to be able to host uh, all the resources uh, for staff. Because you've got to remember we had 1,500 staff go through um, PPE and pandemic response um, courses that were hosted on the site. And that was incredibly important. I mean, the amount of staff that we had to quickly, rapidly upskill and to have a resource like that. Um, but internally, uh, there was certainly um, a, a need immediately because I think one thing, and we still know this today, that, that the situation with the pandemic is so fluid. So our public information, um, what we're saying to the community and to the media and to our patients, um, that, that information changes quite regularly. But certainly with staff, one of the biggest um, uh, experiences that we had was uh, how rapidly um, a lot of the guidance the guidance kind of moved and how that evolved and having that capacity to evolve with it and ensure that that information um, was up up to date. So version control became a really important issue for us. Because I'm thinking that consistency, particularly in in the middle of a pandemic, consistency of message becomes quite important to what you say internally and what you say externally, what you say to your patients or their families. How did you ensure that level of consistency in a a rapidly evolving Mm. uh, scenario? So I I mentioned the the term uh, central source of truth uh, in terms of the mechanisms that we used, and that was really important. But equally important, the central uh, source of truth for your actual source is is incredibly important and that was really reassuring for our staff. So for instance, you would have seen a lot of talk about PPE, understandably frontline workers, PPE is everything in terms of ensuring um, you know, the safety of our staff. So 
in terms of guidance, where there were inconsistencies, staff are acutely aware of that. So naturally, like all clinical advice, consistency is pivotal, but when it comes to in, in the midst of a pandemic, it is everything. And, and to your point, um, uh, centrality of sources uh, was, was key. And so actually when we gave advice, we sourced that advice. And invariably for something like PPE, um, uh, the CEC, the, the Clinical Excellence um, uh, uh, C Commission was, was the central entity, New South Wales Health, the pillar. A and we would just come back to that because as soon as you have any form of crack um, in terms of information or any kind of inconsistency, absolutely understandably, the staff or the public uh, are across it uh, immediately. So that, uh, absolutely. And, and so where, where we did... Um, get caught out um, was perhaps that very infrequently but where, where there were any issues it would be that and we, we we really got on top of that quite quickly but the other thing was version control where, where for instance a poster uh, was up um, communicating a PPE some PPE guidance for staff in the front line and and it had been updated on all our electronic platforms but a staff member um, was adhering to, to something that was two well, three weeks old right. yeah and right. so that, that that evolving nature of information mm. is is was something that that was really striking from a commerce perspective and what it made us realize was digital platforms are everything are um, there, printed yeah, yeah. printed material it, it, it doesn't work so effectively um, in the in the world of um, of a, a covid pandemic and, and that you know I, environmentally I feel terrible because we sometimes we absolutely need that printed kind of signage pull up banners you know you've got for instance testing clinics where the criteria for testing was was really important but that evolved very quickly um, so we, we were going through um, pull up banners quite quite frequently now we're shifting towards digital signage at the front you know with the um, with the luxury of time we've we've been you able to do that, do that. and like a time has been it has been an issue hasn't it right across because you're, you're in the middle of the pandemic, you're really shifting depending on what else is going on around you. Um, was the decision to, to, to be open and transparent and to talk about what you were doing uh, one that, um, uh, looking back, um, you think has been successful for St Vincent's? I, I honestly do. I, I, I think um, we, we have been um, in engaging and engaged um, uh, uh, throughout and, and you know there, there are times where we're kind of scratching our heads saying oh geez was it worth doing this yeah. or not but I, but I think on balance um, the fact that we we were very um, uh, open and, and we did a lot of media and uh, it was the, the vast experience was that it was really constructive. We had a story to tell. We had anxiety to allay, um, and we, we did that really effectively. And I, I'm really proud of our our clinicians for making the time for being really terrific public health advocates. But I, I don't think we can undermine, um, sorry, underestimate the importance of um, public engagement as a key mechanism of of pandemic response. Because many. many um I'm sure we're all aware, many of your frontline workers, from specialists, senior specialists to nursing staff, uh, became familiar sites, whether on television or when we tune in 
radio, the cover of Good Weekend, for instance. Um, why did you decide to place those frontline front staff in front of the media? And, and how did you get them ready? Look, um, in some instances we, we had time and there was a lot of preparation before we, we put someone up for a major interview. And in other instances, um, we, we didn't have that opportunity and sometimes that worked to our advantage in terms of the comfort um, of, of the staff. So we clearly agreed on a, on a core message and, and, you know, right at the outset I, I talked about public anxiety. So, so really um, the, the underlying theme is, was um, quietly confident. That was the term we used a lot. Um, we, we couldn't provide any hard and fast absolute reassurance to everyone because none of us knew what, what was going on. Uh, but our job was to say, you know, we have prepared for this, we have systems in place. We don't know absolutely uh, what's around the corner, but um, we, we needed to show that, that, that we have a wonderful health system, uh, particularly at St Vincent's, it's, it's um, a, a pandemic, has always been something that perhaps would be on the cards and given our geographic um, location and our, our specialty within uh, infectious diseases, uh, our kind of tertiary um, specialty that we've long had um, at, on the campus, we knew we'd play a key role. So um, we needed uh, to, to, to tell the truth, to say that we've got these systems in place, we don't know what's around the corner. But one of that brings me to a point about um, not overstepping that reassurance because um, we didn't know what was around the corner and there was a, a big thirst amongst the uh, media in the early days certainly about hard numbers. Everyone wanted to know about how many ventilators do you have in your hospital and what are you projecting? And the honest truth is, Lewis, the projections weren't good at the outset. I, I don't know if you remember that PWC. Um, That's right. Yeah, thousands, um, talking about thousands of potential deaths. A a absolutely. So, so um, the, the projections weren't ideal, but even if they were, I think it would have been a mistake for us to talk hard numbers for something that none of us knew uh, was, was certain. And, and if anything, I mean, we saw that, that immediate um, reduction, how responsive Australia was to the lockdowns mm, that were instituted. Mm. And, um, you, you know, so in a way, you know, we're, we're lucky we didn't, but, but that was one of, in terms of answer to your question about preparedness of the staff that we put up, um, the, the key theme, uh, because a lot of that media was teed up very quickly, in, in, in some respects we were building this thing in the air. Um, and you know, you'd think for something so important like, a, you know, this is, has such serious public health ramifications, interviews that you do, you need to be on message, and we were. But at the same time, the preparation was quite short. And uh, as I said, we, 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 we ensured that anyone doing media had that, that background theme, uh, what to stick to. And then the other, the other hard, fast rule was um, don't, don't provide... Um, uh, fixed numbers uh, Don't in key talk areas. About numbers. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and th and that was a sensible decision. It wasn't a, a case of of any kind of um, you know lack of transparency, uh, but it just would have not been beneficial to anyone, including the reporter including themselves. The reporter. Yeah. So let's let's um, hopefully we won't have a second uh, a, a second wave, wave although yeah. with what's been going on in Victoria, you you never know. But. Um, um, if you were to look back, um, would have you done anything differently? Um, 
from a communications perspective? One, one of the things um, that, that I think we, we would... Um, uh, look, I, I, I spoke about the mechanisms that we had in, in place in terms of internal communications, and they were really effective, right? But um, sometimes you give yourself... You, you write a, a, a terrific communique that's really effective and you send it out and you think, because you've pushed send... Uh, therefore, your role is done. A a and one of the learnings is that, um, you know, and we've had some feedback as well, but, but you really, um, uh, especially in a hospital when you've got such a cross-section of staff, you've got, um, you know, staff like myself who sit in front of a, a, um, a computer most of the day uh, and have very good access to information. And then those, uh, anything from VMOs, um, you know, medical specialists uh, who work at different facilities and don't have a full-time presence on the campus necessarily and then staff who are on their feet uh, staff who speak English as a second language and so forth so I, I think um, you know I, t I spoke about the centrality of one source of information for all of our staff resources um, but we really needed to redouble our efforts in terms of uh, bringing our staff to that source and ensuring all the mechanisms in place to, to um, be able to bring them there and ensure that that sole source of truth works in that way. So in other words, maintain the consistency um, and, and ensure that you don't have a variety of platforms and confusion and version control issues or, or an ambiguous kind of message. We needed to be very direct and clear where to go, but we also needed to um, perhaps help help staff in, in different ways to lead them to that source. And that involved everything from um, a, a text messaging system that would alert um, our VMOs, our doctors, some of our doctors, to a, a new key communique and, and provide the link, uh, right through to even something as simple as a poster campaign driving, uh, promoting that sole source of truth. But, but I, I, just, I just know that, that we perhaps myself was, I, I might have been a bit self-congratulatory in terms of, yes, we've, we've sent that communique out. It was a great communique. It was very clear. But did it get eyeballed by everyone? Perhaps not. And we really needed to, to redouble our efforts. So that, from an internal perspective, um, was, a, was a key learning. Um, the what about in terms of your dealings with, uh, with media, with um, media coming knocking on your door and wanting to talk to you? A CEO or senior specialist, whoever it might be, Did you, would you do anything differently on that front? I I think you, you need to place a lot of focus on on the um, the how much resource that's going to be because some of the, some of the the most impactful media engagements we did um, involved the least time and were the most easygoing and. Um, we were able to to get the message out really clearly with, without usurping a lot of our resource because obviously as as you know looking after communications you have a responsibility not to be too onerous on the organization I mean I've spoken to you about how important um, media engagement is 
but but at the end of the day, we're, we're a clinical entity. Like we're, we're not, you know, a, a yeah, media yeah. Um, enterprise or anything like that. So you, you do need to be self-conscious at all times about, you know, are you diverting a, a frontline clinician away from their patient-facing job? Because obviously that trumps everything. Um, and so th there were a few media engagements we did that were were significantly onerous and then uh, we ended up heavily on the cutting room floor and um, and it was frustrating like that in fact there was there was an experience last week with our head of infectious diseases and she bowed me up yesterday and look you, you never know I'm not the editor um, uh, we don't have final say often but but um, where you need to have a lot of discernment is ensuring, especially during a pandemic when these frontline people are such a precious resource. They always are, but they're particularly during a pandemic. And uh, we really needed to, um, you know, just, just not so much bang for your buck, but just trying to pick uh, ways of making it less onerous. And even, even things like uh, teeing up interviews outside of the hospital. Um, so they do all their setup and all of that laborious stuff happens and the, the specialist uh, who's coming out, we, we set it up more as a doorstop in a way, which I know sometimes not as ideal um, in terms of the rapport and engagement uh, with the journalist, but it just made it um, quick and fast. From an infection control perspective, we minimised the footprint of people coming into the hospital, which we're doing now anyhow. Um, so that, that, that's what, um, in terms of doing things differently or lessons learned on the go, um, we, we worked out ways of, of minimising that, that impost, that resource impost. So, for instance... Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah. so my, my uh, colleague Hannah, um, who's got videography skills, was shooting a lot for 7.30 report and Four Corners and so forth. So we could minimise that, having the crew um, in, in the hospital and minimising it from an infection control perspective. But actually, we shot it quite fast. We knew where to go uh, and, and we were able to offer them the, the footage, the overlay footage and so forth. So we became quite smart at doing that. And, and that... Uh, made us a, more and more a go-to kind of facility to come to because we would make it in, um, easier for them as well. And, and clearly, you know, media outlets have clear protocols. They don't want to be sending uh, their staff into hospitals, particularly in, in those kind of... Um, those early days where the numbers were higher but but uh, I think we all agree you know um, uh, throughout all the major cities at the moment we're trying to minimize infect infection risks and so forth so so that that's something we kind of learnt as we went along like ways of being equally as engaging but minimizing the impost on our on our staff and increasing the ease for those media outlets to make it easier for them as I'm well sure that we're very thankful for that both the staff as well as the media. <laughs> um, David, thank you very much for your time. It's been fascinating to talk to you about uh, how you manage communications in the middle of a pandemic when you work at a place like St. Vincent's. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much, Lewis.